This is the weekly message from Hope Church Malmesbury. We're so glad you can join us. This week's sermon is part of our series, The Promise and the Purpose. We're walking slowly through the Gospel of Luke, verse by verse, promise by promise. Find out more about Hope Church and how to support our ministry at www.thehope.church. I hope this message will help you to see the good purpose that God has for your life and help you to walk in faith and rely on his promises every day. Here's the message. Okay, we press on through the, the Gospel of Luke. Heavens knows what number message it is. I think, that, is it three years we've been doing this? <laughs> so so uh, probably last year, when we were in Luke 9, um, is when Jesus basically set off towards uh, <laughs> Jerusalem. Okay, so he's still on that, <laughs> he's still going towards Jerusalem at the moment. And uh, a few weeks ago, we found him in Jericho, um, and we heard about uh, blind Bartimaeus. Um, and then this week, he's still in Jericho, he's, he's passing through Jericho, as it were. Um, so we're in Luke chapter 19, we're going to cover from verse 1 through to, to 10. So verse 1, then Jesus entered and passed through Jericho. So he entered and passed through. As, as he came in, I think it was, he met blind Bartimaeus, Senator Maus, um, And now he's passing uh, through Jericho. And we get to verse 2. Now behold, there was a man named Zacchaeus, who was a chief tax collector, and he was rich. So um, this account of Zacchaeus is only spoken of in Luke's gospel. But Luke's good because he provides us already with some detail about this guy. Um, So later on we get to to, to even hear what he looks like um, because it describes for us his stature. Uh, But at this point we learn his name. He's called Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus means pure, intriguingly. And he was a chief tax collector. So not only was he a tax collector, he was a chief tax collector. He... I don't know what the collective term for a group of tax collectors is. A a gaggle of tax collectors, maybe. Uh, Yeah, a a robbery of tax collectors. (laughs) Fraud. Anti-fraud of tax collectors. Uh, There seemed to be slightly different opinions as I was reading about this as to how tax collectors made their money. Um, So essentially, of course, as you all know, tax collectors were essentially locals that were working for the occupied forces. So in this context, they're Jews that are working for the the Roman army. Um, One way in which we understand they might have raised additional revenue, shall we say, is they add a certain percentage on what they were charging people, and they would effectively take a cut. Um, Another way is, which is the way I think, the one that I, I thought was more true, if you like, was that effectively people bid to be a tax collector. Um, and you bid by saying how much you will collect for that kind of jurisdiction or that area. And anything that you collect above that, you get to, to save for yourself. Um, so, so whatever happens, um, these people were pretty despised. Okay? I mean, they're, they're not great friends now, are they, in fairness? But, but uh, <coughs> yeah. So uh, he was rich. Okay, so if there was any suspicion in your mind, Luke points it out to us. Okay, yeah, uh, all your suspicions are correct. This guy's not only a chief tax collector, because of that, he's rich. 
Now, it's uh, quite interesting. I mean, when you're reading, uh, chap, chap, chapter boundaries are put there by somebody like 500 years ago or something. So they're not normally there. They, they weren't there, but they help us to study. So back in chapter 18, just before blind Bartimaeus, we got to hear about the rich young ruler. And in some ways, Zacchaeus is a bit of a contrast to the rich young ruler. So by way of reminder, the rich young ruler. So what happened there? So this guy comes up to Jesus. He's described as young in one of the accounts. And uh, in one of the accounts, he says, what one thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And um, so Jesus points him at the law. Okay, Jesus is ministering as a prophet under the old covenant, and he points him to the law. And in a, in a way, he, I think Jesus drops a hint, okay, because Jesus only lists five of the commandments. And in fact, he, he lists the last five, okay, about not stealing and stuff like that. Um, and rather than backing off, this rich young ruler, he just goes for it. He goes, yeah, I've, I've obeyed all those things since my youth. So Jesus then lovingly points out to him that there's probably two commandments he's missing out on because he loves his money, because he challenges him over his money. And he says, you know, okay, give everything you have to the poor. And he went away very sad because he was very rich. So as we see this story unfold, we're going to see some of the contrast against that, uh, which is enlightening, to say the least. So, verse 3 and 4. And he sought to see who Jesus was, but could not because of the crowd, for he was of short stature. Incredible description. <laughs> so how short must he have been? I mean, is that important to the, to the context of the scripture here? But whatever happened, he didn't care, did he? So he comes to the crowd. He wants to see Jesus. There's obviously curiosity going in, on in there. What he'd heard about Jesus, we don't know. Um, but he wants to see him. He can't push his way through, or they won't let him push his way through. So he climbs a tree. So he's the chief tax collector. And he's climbing a tree like a small boy. He doesn't care. He doesn't care. He does not care what people think. Sometimes, when we want to be more like Jesus, we have to push. And sometimes we've got to not care what people think. And uh, this guy cared about wanting to know Jesus. He didn't care what people thought of him. And I see very much the opposite today. I, I see many people that don't want to know Jesus. And they really care about what people think. And I remember having a conversation with somebody one time. He said, he said, I'm not interested in going to heaven. I want to be in hell with me, mates. I thought, you have no idea what you're saying, mate. Okay, so we read about Abraham's bosom, um, which is, we've, I think we had that story preached to us a little while ago, didn't we? Where the guy looks across the chasm and he, he sees Lazarus uh, in a place of comfort. That's not heaven and hell, okay? Uh, and I said to this guy, look, I said, when sulfur burns, I said, it burns with a very dark smoke. I said, you won't be able to see your friends. <laughs> you know, God tell you how it is. 
People have to appreciate the consequences of decisions they're making. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. Now, God is a loving Heavenly Father, and He doesn't want anybody to be in hell. He wants hell empty and heaven full. Okay? And what is it Reinhard Bonnke used to say? You say, I plunder hell to populate heaven. Yes. Amen. Amen. And that's how we ought to be. Okay, so this guy really didn't uh, care what people thought of him. And he goes climbing up this tree. Amazing. So then we have Jesus coming up through. And whether Jesus saw Zacchaeus beforehand or not, I'm not quite sure. But it says that Jesus stopped underneath the place where he was. And here we see Jesus. It looks like he's using one of the spiritual gifts, one of the seven spiritual gifts. It looks like he's using a word of knowledge because he speaks to Zacchaeus' name. And uh, in verse 5 and 6, it says this. And when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and saw him and said to him, Zacchaeus, make haste and come down, for today I must stay at your house. So he made haste and came down and received him joyfully. Wow, just so much here. So first of all, Jesus calls him out by name. So from Zacchaeus' perspective... He's, he is really talking to me. He's talking to me. Um, there might be other people in the tree, we don't know, but Jesus is... <laughs> probably children, all right? So Zacchaeus is up there with the kids. But Jesus seeks him out. Jesus seeks him out. There's this really interesting... He's, Jesus says, today I must. Today I must. Stay at your house. Uh, it, when I read that, it reminded me of in John's Gospel, uh, where Jesus goes through Samaria. Okay, um, he's going from southern part of Israel to northern part, and he goes through Samaria basically. And people often actually went round Samaria, around it. and Jesus says, "I must needs go to Samaria," and he goes and sits on his side of his well in the middle of the day. And meets this woman and he unveils himself to her in the sense that he reveals himself as Messiah very plainly. Uh, it, it, it's like it was a divine appointment uh, with Legion, okay, the demoniac in Gadara. Uh, it, what it looks like to me is that Jesus took his team, they went on a boat, they went from one side of the Lake Galilee to the other, they set this bloke free, they got this bloke set free. Um, they commissioned him to be an evangelist in the Decapolis, the ten cities on that side. And then they came back. So what does that speak of, of our Savior? He's seeking you out. Yes. He is seeking you out. It's like the song we sang. It's absolutely brilliant. He leaves the 99 and he goes after the one. Yes. And here he is after the one. He's after Zacchaeus who's in the street. I must... This is a divine appointment with you, Zacchaeus. And it's true of every person. We've all been sought out. You know, if we've given our lives to Jesus, he, you know, he found us and we, we reveled in his love. And <laughs> okay, more of that later, more of that later. Okay, so Zacchaeus responds to that call. He responds to the call by name. And uh, it says he received him joyfully. So uh, there's always somebody who's going to grumble, isn't there? Yeah. 
verse 7. But when they saw it, who is the they that saw it? So it doesn't single out the disciples, but the disciples were in here. Did, did, were they amongst the they that saw it? Um, it doesn't say, but it implies everybody. When they saw it, they all complained. <laughs> Nothing new under the sun, is it? He has gone to be a guest with a man who is a sinner. So why did they have a problem with this? What, what was it that got them so upset? Well, the idea is that if you went and had a meal with a sinner, then you were effectively endorsing their sin and partaking of it. Uh, essentially, you were sharing in their ungodliness, in their unrighteousness. That's, that's how the, the religious people saw it. So for a rabbi, to, it was completely unthinkable that he would do this. Um, but of course, uh, what was it Jesus was doing? Jesus was not going to share in his... He wasn't going to give him some new techniques on how to uh, take more money or whatever. None of those things. Um, incredible. Uh, you know, he was going to share his mercy and his love, basically, in the household of Zacchaeus. It's incredible. Um, I think as Christians too, though, there is, I think there is some guidance in the midst of all that. One, one commentator said this. He says, if we can be in control and minister the love of God, then we are right to associate with sinners. That's what he said. I would prefer to use the phrase unbelievers, all right? But this is what he said. But when we are being controlled by the ungodliness of sinners, we need to take control or withdraw. And I think that's good advice. We're in the world, but we're not of it. Okay, so if we're in situations where we're being challenged to compromise our faith, that's when we need to take a step back. Um, but yeah, good advice. Okay, pressing on with Zacchaeus. Okay, then Zacchaeus stood and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, I give half of my goods to the poor, and if I have taken anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Wow. So what a difference to the young, rich, young ruler. So as far as we can tell here, there was no challenge from Jesus about his riches. Uh, there, there was no challenge to, to give away stuff. So if you like, there was genuine repentance on the part of Zacchaeus. Uh, whatever it was challenged him and he changed his mind. Um, Romans 2 verse 4 says this. It jumps in the middle, but we get the idea. Or do you despise the riches of his goodness, speaking of God, the riches of his goodness, forbearance, and long-suffering, not knowing that the goodness of God leads you to repentance? In a sense, it was the love and mercy of Jesus in this situation, I think, that really spoke to Zacchaeus and brought about a change of his heart. Um, and that's when the repentance came. So in, in the Greek, the word for repentance is metanoia, literally means you change your mind. So he changed his mind. And once he changed his mind, he realized he wanted to do some things. Uh, he wanted to right some wrongs, and he wanted to bless some people. So he gives half 
of his goods to the poor. Um, I don't think he was doing that out of any legal obligation. I think it was an act of generosity on his part that it was something he wanted to do. And it's an act that demonstrates to change a heart, isn't it? And when we become Christians, there's an expectation that after a while, what what comes out of us and the way in which we behave changes so that we slowly but surely become more and more like Jesus. Okay? Scripture says it's from glory to glory we go. So it's a process, isn't it? They call it, uh, is it sanctification. I was getting muddled up with the big words. Um, but there was a change of behavior. Um, so then there's this fourfold restitution which he did, where he gives, uh, if I've taken any, anything from anyone by false accusation, I restore fourfold. Now, restoration was part of the law. And I got, I've got Leviticus 6 here, I think. Leviticus 6, two verse, two, verse 2 to 5. Um, if a person sins and commits a trespass against the Lord by lying to his neighbor about what was delivered to him for safekeeping or about a pledge or about a robbery, or if he was extorted from his neighbor, or if he was found... Uh, what was lost and lies concerning it and swears falsely, in any one of these things that a man may do in which he sins, then it shall be, because he has sinned and is guilty, that he shall restore what he has stolen, or the thing which he has extorted, or what was delivered to him for safekeeping, or the lost thing which he found, or all that about which he has sworn falsely. He shall restore its full value, add one-fifth more to it, and give it to whomever it belongs on the day of his trespass offering. So before you went to give your offering, you did this restitution. Um, interestingly, he does this fourfold restitution. Now, if I had stolen one of your sheep, and I, no one's got any sheep in here, okay. Imagine somebody owns a sheep and I steal it, um, and I want to do restitution, then I actually have to give four sheep back. Um, so if it was money, it's 125%. If it's sheep, it's 400%, which I find intriguing. So what I think is going on personally, it doesn't say, this is Dave Jones' speculation, right? What I think is going on personally is I think this guy's recognizing the fact that a lot of the people he was collecting taxes from were farmers. And they would have sold the sheep they had to pay for their taxes. And he's thinking to himself, in reality, what I've done is I've stolen their sheep. And he's given fourfold restitution. Wow. Makes sense. Incredible. <clears throat> Mine's incredible. So just seeing the generosity of this man, he's so changed. <laughs> His heart is so changed. And I think it's a, a, challenge, a challenge to us all as Christians. Okay, so. Um, verse... Uh, Luke 19, last couple of verses. And Jesus uh, said to him, so Jesus is talking to this tax collector, today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the son of man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Um, In the King James Version, it talks about this day, this day of salvation come to this house. Spurgeon uh, preached a message just on those two words 
That whole message was preached on those two words. This day, this day, today's salvation has come to this house. And I just want to talk a little bit about that for a moment. That's the exhortation of Scripture, isn't it? Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day of salvation. Why is it that people, they, they, they've had it explained to them. They've had it explained. All you have to do is believe in your heart that God raised Jesus from the dead and then speak out your mouth, okay, I want Jesus to be my Lord and my Savior. And you'll be saved. It's as easy as that. And it's as hard as that. I remember uh, preaching in, a, in an Elim church one time. And uh, I preached on hell. <laughs> um, and in, in my call for salvation at the end, um, I challenged people. I said, I'm going to ask you to come down the front. And I said, I'm going to ask you to do that because out in the world, it's very hard. Because you've got to fight against the crowd. And, um, of course, people responded. I had at least, yeah, there was a guy who was, yeah, he just happened to be visiting that church on that day. His wife was a Christian. He wasn't. Been praying for years. And he came down the front. So it's okay. Don't get worried. I don't think I'm going to ask people to come down the front today. But it's it's a hard world out there. It's a hard world. And that's why it's important to start thinking about I don't care what people think about me, and this is the first place where I begin when I make a decision for Jesus. I heard somebody once say, um, how old are you, and how much longer are you going to give your life yielded to the devil and give it to God? (laughs) Um, so uh, just another story. I've told part of this story before, but I'm going to share it from a diff- kind of different angle, really. So there's a friend of mine called Chris, okay? And uh, Chris, you're watching, hi. Um, <clears throat> and he used to lift share. And uh, in his lift share, they used to have a great time together, a couple of guys having a lift share. And he would talk about the cricket or the, you know, the golf or, um, I don't know, sport or cars or whatever it is guys talk about Um, and one day uh, Chris got a phone call saying you won't have to take your friend into work anymore because he was in an accident dead so Chris was gutted because he never shared the gospel he never shared the gospel he never once said to this guy about Jesus so, I mean, we don't know. We don't know about that guy. Um, but also, from the other side of the coin, if you're watching this online or you're listening and you've not yet made that decision, I'm not wishing anybody dead, but you don't know what happens tomorrow. All right? And every day you do not make a decision for Jesus, you are gambling on your eternity. You are literally, you are gambling with your eternity. I can't believe people do it when they, when they know the choices. So you have to choose Jesus. And at the end of the day, what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Nothing. And Jesus is calling people by name today. He's calling people by name. So I don't know.
Okay. Whoever you are, today is a day of salvation. Okay, so Jesus goes on, because he also is a son of Abraham, speaking of Zacchaeus. So obviously all the people despise this tax collector, and Jesus is just reminding them, hey guys, all right, he's a Jew, like, like, like everybody here. Um, but praise God, the gospel's not just for Jews now, it's for us too, as Gentiles. Hallelujah. Praise God. Uh, and then finally Jesus says that for the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. So I said it a number of times through my message today. He came to seek. He came to seek. He seeks us out. He seeks us out. Maybe you can remember being sought by the Lord. I can certainly remember some incidents, some things happening in my life before I gave my heart to Jesus that... Uh, God was keeping my life. I had an, I had an opportunity to, to have some serious injury and maybe even die uh, before I became a Christian. Um, yeah, there was, some, there was some stuff going on. So I had some choices. But he came to seek and to save, and he calls you by name. So whoever you are, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior today, you will have that opportunity to change that. Right now yeah yeah before Dave leads this prayer this moment to choose um, God has reminded me of something really very strongly that I feel I have to share so some of you know I home educated my son between the ages of 10 and 18 when he went off to university oh no 16 he went to college that's right um and um, when I was trying to make the decision about whether to home educate him or not, I was thinking, I'm making a choice to home educate him. And one day, so, you know, am I making, can I make that choice? It's a scary choice. And I suddenly realized, and I can't remember if it was Mark or who it was, somebody said to me, you're making a choice either way. You see, we, we just let our children just fall into school and into the school system. Nothing against the school system. Please don't get the wrong end of this stick. Um, but we just do it. It just, it's how it happens, how the world goes. Children grow, get to four, they go to school, blah, blah, blah. And so I thought I was making a choice to take him out. And then I realised I was making a choice if I sent him in as well. That's also a choice. And I don't think people realise that we're making choices in that way. So when Dave said about the choice... I think it's really important to remember that if you don't choose Jesus, you are making a choice for the devil. And I'm not kidding you, there is a no, no nothing. There is no nothing. You're either on one side or the other. So are you choosing Jesus? And if you believe he's real and true and what he did for you, that dying on the cross, that is the only choice that a sensible person will make. <laughs> because if you believe all that and then you go, no, I'm just choosing nothing... No, there is no nothing, okay? The devil has done the best ad campaign you could ever see, which is why Dave's friend said something about, you know, being in hell with his friends. Not only will he not be able to see them, he'll be breathing in that sulfur. He'll be experiencing the most discomfort. We all try and avoid discomfort on earth, and yet we're willing to have it for eternity? What kind of crazy people are out there? So I'm sorry if I'm a bit too passionate here, but... It's a choice either way. There is no nothing. And I had to say, there yeah, is yeah, no nothing. Yeah, yeah. Choose Jesus, choose the devil. 
but nothing else is in between. And if you make no choice for Jesus, that is still a choice. Mm. That's all I'm saying. Sorry if that's really hard, because I think some people don't like hard, mm. but I just couldn't sit on it. Yeah. <laughs> no, and I think it's important that we recognise, as Lydia said, you know, we have made a choice. We're always making a choice. Um, so what I'd like us to do is I'd like us just all to read the words of this prayer together. I'd like us all, all to say it out loud. And then if there's anybody in the room that isn't a Christian today and they say this, then they become a Christian by the time they've said it. Simples. Okay. Father God, today I choose to repent, to change my mind and follow you. I believe in my heart that you raised Jesus from the dead and I now confess with my mouth I speak out that Jesus is my Lord. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for saving me. Amen. Amen. Praise God. So if you prayed that prayer or prayer like that for the first time today then your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. You have passed from death to life. And when you eventually depart this world, it'll just be going through a door from this place into a much better place. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we just thank and praise you for your word. We just thank you for revealing to us something of Zacchaeus and your encounter with Zacchaeus. And uh, Lord, I would just pray for people that are listening to this message online and maybe listening to this uh, years in the future Um, and as well as people in the room Lord um, that uh, we would each just know your hand in our lives and in the detail of our lives day by day by day by day and Lord we would see your hand at work we would recognize your hand at work in our lives in Jesus mighty wonderful name Amen